Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. This week is quite an exciting one because it really does parallel what I'm teaching in Yerushalayim from Rav Hirsch's 19 letters. I'm up to the fifth letter, and the fourth letter and the fifth letter do really coalesce around the point that we're going to make in the mitzvah that we're going to discuss today. We're talking about the Bukhar, the dedication of one's firstborn, either a human or an animal, to Hashem. Now, obviously, when it comes to an animal that can be either dedicating it to the temple, it being not, not usable, or redeeming it for some sort of value. When it comes to a child, obviously, we do a redeeming ceremony that we still do today. We call it a pigeon haben, the redeeming of the son. Now, Rav Hirsch, this is an idea that plays itself out through lots of aspects of Judaism, but gives us a very fundamental principle to walk away with, because we're enacting this with our children. Now, this doesn't apply for Levium, and there are other halachic aspects that he discusses, but I really want to focus in on the key principle that he feels that it's essential for us to walk away with. Because when we enact a redeeming of a firstborn, there is a perspective we're supposed to hold. Now, let's get the context. The context of this mitzvah is from Egypt. There are certain things that we embody in our lives that are to remind us of the inception of the Jewish people. We've been through Tfilin, the idea of Chometz on Pesach. All these things are symbolic enactments that are supposed to drill home these principles and allow us to live them out. When it comes to redeeming of the firstborn, in a similar way to when you um, give Misa off your money, it is supposed to garner a perspective on everything else. You look back on everything else through the light of what you did to the first. How does this work its way through our experience? When it comes to your children or your things, there are two perspectives you can take. You can either treat it as a means or you could treat it as an ends. From the Jewish standpoint, or a principle that we are supposed to embody, is that everything is a means. The reason why I say this becomes relevant in Rav Hirsch's discussion in 19 Letters is that he is trying to invite the protagonist, the, um, the fellow uh, Binyamin, who he's having this conversation with in this polemic work, to view the world through the lens of the Torah. If only as a make-believe experience, just to see what the Torah is asking of us. And the first thing he opens up with is that you are a gift to the world, the world is not a gift to you. That is a radical shift in perspective, because the opening of the student or his friend in the, in the work wants to know how Judaism achieves happiness, wants to know how Judaism achieves his goals. And Rav Hirsch's point is that on the one level I could answer you and say that the concept of happiness is very subjective. And what do you even mean by that? And do you really want that? I use a, um, a bit of a thought experiment to give this idea over to my students. We're trying to talk about the idea of happiness as being the goal. And that's something that people often think is, if you're going to guess at a purpose of being around, is you want to be happy. But it's not about being happy. On a more fundamental level, it's about being in touch with something real. And the example I give, I used to give the Robert Nozwick um, uh, thought experiment about what's known as the pleasure machine. You can Wikipedia it. But I, I did something else, which I got from a professor, um, Vivecki, in Toronto, to try and give over to a student that there are things in our lives or objects in our lives that we are supposed to be treating as means to a greater ends, not as ends in themselves as being an ends to my own pleasure. Because when it comes down to it, that's not what we're really striving after. And the way I give it over is that I ask the students, uh, imagine you're in a relationship with someone, a very meaningful relationship. 
and uh, it's going really well and you're you're very you feel very fulfilled if that individual was cheating on you would you want to know and they all obviously all say of course i would want to know but then i ask but then you are sacrificing the happiness that you are experiencing the now in your ignorance for the truth which will be profoundly painful because it's reality and we have an innate desire to be in touch with that which is real in a similar way Rav Hirsch is inviting us to look at our stuff as not being ours. What do I mean by not being ours? I mean that it belongs to God. It is a gift from God, the same way you are a gift to the world. The things that you have are all gift from God. You are looking at yourself as being in a place of duty and service and responsibility. That is how the Torah is asking us to live our lives. And how we interact with the things around us, do we look at them as an expression of responsibility? Or do we look at them as, what can I get from them? Or what is the, how can I be mercenary about it? What can I use it for? That tool aspect we can attach to everything is very profound. We can look at things as what they are in my possession to do with. How can I use them for a greater good? They are a means to a higher goal. And when that comes to your objects, that's uh, quite intuitive. And in the 19 letters, Rav Hirsch is it's actually interesting. He plays this idea of a Bechor to its sort of logical conclusion. He looks at humanity as being the Bechor of the world and the Jewish people being the Bechor of the, of the nations of the world. And that sort of, the Bechor amongst the animal kingdom is the human. The Bechor amongst the nations of the world is the Jew. And amongst the family, you have a Bechor. A Bechor has a responsibility because he sets the tone for the family. But he also sets the tone for the family in the sense that he inspires the father to look at the rest of his children through that light. And the way Rav Hirsch puts it is if you have a daughter or if you have a son and you think, I want them to be, and it's interesting, he uses, I want her to be a businesswoman. I want her to marry X. I want my son to be this type of person. Well, then it's about you. You are the one in control, and you are the one who is molding your child through the lens of your own desire. Or do you look at your child as being a charge, a responsibility? Do you look at it as your responsibility to develop the perspective of the child along the lines of this greater and nobler mission? Is that what you look at yourself in relationship to your children? Or is it about what can they do for me? Are they a means to my ends? Or, or are they a means to a greater ends? Do I look at them as simply objects for my own gratification? Or do I look at them as a charge for a greater, nobler cause? That is what we do when we dedicate the first of our things to Hashem. It's not only about the dedicating of the object that we're looking at, but it's how I reflect on everything else, which is also so important. The same way when a son is redeemed with the kohen in the pigeon aben, the father should then look at that experience as being, my son is not mine, I don't own my children. My children are a gift, my children are a responsibility. And when you look at your children through that lens, you are inspired to grow, you are inspired to live up to that expectation. The same way when it comes to your objects. The more objects you have, the way Rav Hirsch puts it in the 19 letters, the more possessions that come your way should allow you to reflect on how does this now change my responsibility in the world? What I now have, what am I now to do? When a person is blessed with a child, their responsibilities in the world change, both in 
their own way of approaching Hashem, but also in the responsibility in terms of how to bring up these children. So, do we look at our children as a gift, or do we look at our children as an object that we own? And this comes about in how people treat their children, or how people are working towards treating their children. Because we, we're inspiring to grow in the relationship with how we bring up our children. So, to recap these points, the Bukhar, the same way the humanity is the Bukhar of the world, of the animal kingdom, because Rav Hirsch points out we are both part and apart of the natural world. And the apartness is that we are the Bukhar of the natural world. That comes with a responsibility as human beings. That is the universal vision. Thereby, everything that comes afterwards, everything that is below, so to speak, is also sanctified by relationship with the Bukhar. The potential is there for it to be risen up, as they would say. And that is the responsibility of humanity. L'ovda ulashamra. And the Jewish people are the Bukhar of the nations of the world. Amamelechas kohanim, the Goy Kodesh. We have a responsibility to the nations of the world. And in the same way, when it comes to the Bukhar of a family, he has a responsibility. He is a first child. He sets the tone, but he also sets the perspective of the father. How he looks at the other children going forward. And how the other children are for him a responsibility, not an object of possession. We, as Rav Hirsch phrases it, if we look at our children as a gift from the Almighty, with a responsibility, that is truly a blessing. A blessing in the truest sense of the word, that you are encouraging the growth of both the child and the world in general. But if you look at your children as a possession, you treat them as what you want from them, in terms of them being an object of your gratification, as in, I want my child to be X, I want my child to be Y, they become an object of your honor and your glory, then you turn your child into a curse. You do not develop them in any way, shape, or form to be a blessing to the world. And it always ends up bad. So, I bless us all that we can all see or gain the perspective wherever we land on the religious spectrum, to always look at our children as a gift and a responsibility. Because it can be done whether you take a religious perspective or you take a secular perspective. And the reason why I say this is that Rav Hirsch's understanding, I mean, obviously not completely bereft of religious meaning, but Rav Hirsch draws this analogy all the way from the very beginning. We're not talking Jewish when Rav Hirsch refers to humanity being the Bukhar. This idea of being given, being summoned, being a gift to the world is how we should all look at our children. We are here to serve. We are here with responsibility. That is where the oughtness comes from our experience in the world, because we look at ourselves as not just being embedded in the natural world. And from an interesting contemporary standpoint, there's something very, I suppose you could say, um, uninspiring, where you can have a demand for responsibility, but without looking at yourself as being apart from the world. You can't call upon me to have responsibility when you've cut away the roots that encourage that responsibility to begin with. To put it another way, to call humanity just part of nature, just another animal, but then at the same time say an extra level of responsibility is imparted to me doesn't really make sense. You are constantly drawing on or leeching on the Torah's values of describing humanity as being part of, but apart at the same time. That apartness, that transcendent nature of what it means to be human, to be able to choose and not just simply be compelled, 
is what gives us the responsibility to begin with. And may we take that responsibility in the reference to the world, as Jews to the nation of the world, and with our firstborns, and look at the rest of our family through that light. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.